God is good. Amen. It's good to be home from Chicago and Gary, Indiana. Amen. We'll be a few more trips planned this month. I think we've got five trips planned to St. Louis, Fort Worth, Amarillo, and somewhere else. San Antonio. Yeah. So, whoo, God's good. I'm going to jump right into the word. Is that all right? God is good. Yeah. We're going to get right into the word. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Amen. Man, there's just a, I'm going to preach that heaviness leaves. Amen. I, th- I thought I was going to be able to come in here and glide today, but I can see I'm going to have to plow. How many of you are ready to plow with Pastor Rick today? Amen. Just elbow your neighbor and tell him we're going to get it done today. We're going to get it done. Amen. 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 I'm going to read one sentence and preach. Psalm 115, verse 14. Are you ready? May the Lord make you increase. Both you and and your children. May the Lord make you increase both you and your children. Now, I'm going to preach this message called the blessing, the Joseph kind. Say that with me, the Joseph kind. Father, we thank you that there is revelation running its course in this sanctuary today. And there's an open heaven over this sanctuary. And I pray, God, that you will encourage the people today that the anointing will break the yoke of oppression. I give you praise that you have delivered us, you have saved us, you've sanctified us, and you've filled us with the Holy Spirit. You've given us a bright future that we call a prophetic future. So today, God, we ask you to launch people from their historical past into their prophetic future. Let people get a glimpse of where they are going. I give you praise, God, for all that you shall accomplish in this building today. In Jesus' name. One more time before you sit down, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. God is good. God is good. You may be seated. We've been talking about the blessing and I'm going to continue this. We'll end it next Sunday, I think, will be the last, the last one. But I'm going to continue this thought today. The Lord has been dealing with me ever so intensely concerning three words. There is more. As a matter of fact, last Sunday we ended on the thought, there is more. When we talked about the prayer of Jabez, when Jabez prayed, Lord, enlarge my territory. And he began that prayer by saying, bless me indeed. And we've learned now that the indeed blessing is a blessing where the hand of God is involved in your life. The hand of God represents two things, authority and provision. When God's hand gets involved, things start changing. Now, Father, we call for your hand to be on President Trump right now. 
And we pray, God, you will heal him. Heal Melania. Heal everyone involved. We call for healing for the president of the United States of America. And we speak only blessing to our president. We only speak blessing to him. And we say, Mr. President, be healed in the name of Jesus from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be healed by the power of the name of Jesus. Father, let your hand be on his house. Let your hand be on his house in Jesus' name. I pray you can speak that same blessing and say it from a sincere heart. If you can't do that, you need to search your heart. I'm not going to go into that. Amen? So when Jabez prays, Lord, prays, Lord bless me indeed, he says, enlarge my territory let your hand be upon me. And he says, keep me from evil that it not grieve me. And the word grieve there means to conform me into something you did not ordain me to be. I'm not asking you to take the pain away, but I'm asking you do not let the results of the pain cause me to react or respond or be something or someone you did not ordain or call me to be. Too many times we allow circumstances to cause us to conform to it instead of saying, I am here to change the circumstance. If you put a carrot or if you put an egg in boiling water, the water changes the carrot. It makes it soft. The water changes the egg. It makes it hard. But when you put coffee in hot water, the coffee changes the water. Did you hear what I just said? You are called to be coffee. As a matter of fact, I speak a coffee anointing over your life right now. You're... You're called to be coffee. You are to change the water. Don't let the water change you. Don't let the environment that this nation is in to cause you to conform into an image that is ungodly, that is unholy, that is not Christian-like, that is not Christ-like, where you're not representing the kingdom of God at a quality level. Somebody shall praise the Lord right there. Amen. So don't conform. We are placed here to change the world. We are not placed here for the world to change us. Amen? So he says, Lord, enlarge my territory. And what he is saying is, I know there is more. There's more for me to do. There's more that you are going to do. What he is saying is my story is not over. He is saying I am not done. And I came by to tell some of you with the white towel in your hand, ready to throw it in, put the towel back in your pocket because you are not finished yet. 
Paul said, I've learned a lot of things, but I'm confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you shall also complete it. I dare four people to shout, I am not done. Now tell your neighbor, your best is yet to come. Your best. Now listen, you'll never get to the best version of you by having a lesser than vision of you. Your version is something that is becoming. You're evolving into the greatest person you've ever experienced being. Which means instead of conformity, you have to enter into transforming. You transform, you conform from the outside in, but you transform from the inside out. You'll never become a butterfly when you love hanging out with the caterpillars. Are you hearing me? You will never transform into what you're supposed to be as long as you are satisfied to be what you used to be. And never avoid the cocoon. The cocoon is that place of solitude where you start realizing I am more. Okay, I'm going to just say it like this. Quit being the creepy crawler. Spread your wings and fly. You're beautiful. Can you say amen to that? So the purpose of the blessing is this, to protect you from potential harm. When you know you are blessed, you do not walk in fear. You do not dread days you have never seen. You anticipate days you have never seen. Fear and faith both do the same thing. They create a gravitational pull to you. Job said, the thing I feared the most came upon me. What you fear is chasing you. What you faith is trying to find you. Today, exchange your fear for faith. Second thing, purpose of the blessing. Is it all right if I just take my time this morning? I think I've had five hours of sleep in the last two nights, and that's the truth. We signed books until 12.15 Friday night. It was good. Purpose of the blessing. To pro- Thank God for people in Chicago that like to read. To project you into your prophetic future. The purpose of the blessing is to project you into your prophetic future. When you're living a blessed life, you can always see a bigger image. Number three, the purpose of the blessing is to perpetuate your purpose in the earth. Number four, the purpose of the blessing is to prosper you. Don't get the word wrong. To prosper means to push you forward in wealth and peace. It's not about money. Wealth is not even about money. 
Wealth is about being content in peace. Now, money answers all things, but it don't always give the right answer. It's got an answer, but that don't make it the right answer. It's the love of money. That's the problem. We'll leave it there. How many of you love being blessed by God? Yeah, I do too. So this Psalm 115, verse 14, may the Lord make you increase both you and your children. Let's look into the mind of the writer. Here's what he's saying. I am speaking a successional blessing over you. I am speaking a generational blessing over you. This blessing is not just about you, but this blessing is so strong that it is going to reach into the lives of the people that are following you. Hmm. May the Lord increase you which means to do more through you and for you. Say it again, there is more. God is good. Say it again, I'm not done. All right, now here we go. The greatest challenge to blessing is not the devil. The greatest challenge challenge to blessing is the curse. I've talked about the curse in all of my messages concerning the blessing, but never went deep into it. As a matter of fact, every time I pray before I preach, I say, Lord, break every and dismiss every generational spirit. There's a reason for that. Because when you move the curse out of the way, when you move spirits that are attached to your lineage and your generations out of the way, then anything powerful, positive, anything possible can happen in your life. Never take a blessed life to a cursed method of dealing with people. Always know that when you're walking in the blessing, you have authority. You have dominion. You have the ability to produce. That's the blessing. I thought I would educate you some on curses, though. Because the greatest enemy to the blessing is not the devil. It's the curse. This war has been going on since Genesis 3.15. The first prophecy given in Scripture was not given by the mouth of man. It's given by the mouth of God. I will put enmity, speaking to the enemy, between your seed and her seed. You are going to bruise his heel. He is going to crush the Messiah, is going to crush the enemy's head. That's when the war started. It started when Eve forgot she was blessed. And she started listening to the whispers of the enemy. When she did, she had to now receive the consequences of disobedience. 
It is not God's instinctive nature to curse you. His instinctive behavior is to bless you. So when he has to pronounce a curse in the Garden of Eden, it was a reaction. It's not his instinctive behavior. He reacted to their disobedience. He cursed the ground. He cursed the enemy. He never cursed them. He just said, you're going to have to work with cursed stuff. Woo. Because of your disobedience. I've learned something about curses. Curses attach themselves like leeches. Curses will extract spiritual energy from you. So a curse will attach itself to a culture. A curse will attach itself to a family. A curse will attach itself to a region, to a territory. And when I'm studying this thing about curses, I realize this, that for every historical or generational curse, there is a redemptive gift. In other words, wherever the curse is living, God will purposely set up a person to come in and challenge that curse and replace the curse with blessing. That's why you can go through an entire lineage of people or a family and then suddenly you see the behavior of that family change because somebody in the line got saved. And that saved person wasn't satisfied to be saved alone. So they start exemplifying and exhibiting what a saved life looks like instead of a cursed life. People in the family start recognizing the difference and start asking questions. What happened to you that you don't act like we do anymore. Don't ever let your family make you feel weird. Don't ever let your peers make you feel strange because you do not conform to their chaos. Talk back to me. In other words, you have the authority to say the curse stops right here. But you never stop one thing without starting another. So when you say the curse stops here, you're starting a blessing in your succession. In other words, what your papa dealt with, your children are not going to have to deal with. What your dad fought with, your kids' kids ain't going to have to fight with because it stops with you. The bloodline is with you. I dare somebody that's blessed to jump on your feet and shout, it stops right here. It stops right here. Come on, say it. It stops right here. All right. Let's be seated one more time. Let me, let me, can I keep going? So what is a generational curse? What is that, Pastor Rick? Here's a generational curse. It is a condition that holds people 
in cyclical and circular motion. Hmm. A generational curse is a condition that holds people in cyclical or circular motion. All right. It can be very deceptive because a curse will allow activity, but it will not allow advancement. There's a lot of people in church that stay busy. There's a lot of activity, but there's no advancement. Movement does not denote progress. So you can learn the vernacular of the blessed and still be dealing with the curse. All right. What is a generational curse? It is a learned behavior that becomes a stronghold. I know a guy that wrote a book. (laughs) And the book is called The Blessing. And it just so happens we have the book here today. In the book, the writer writes, Mindsets must be challenged and changed before curses can be broken. You can rebuke a demon, you can't rebuke a curse. When we say, God, break every generational curse, what we're saying is God erect something as a barrier in the lives of these people that whatever curse they have dealt with up to today, that their eyes are enlightened to the point that they say, now I have a revelation that I can overcome the thing that's been fighting me so hard to keep me in the condition that I do not welcome into my life. Generational curses are passed down through generational lines because of rebellion and disobedience. Generational curses are passed down through generational lines because of two things, rebellion and disobedience. Exodus 34, 7, God punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Boy, that scripture has been preached about so wrongly, if that's that's correct correct vernacular for so many years listen to it again God punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation the key word in that whole verse is fathers fathers missed opportunities to break the curse and it'll last to the third or fourth generation because in the second generation a father didn't address it. 
and in the third generation. In other words, what the writer is writing is it could go on and on and on until a father gets up and says, enough is enough. What we see, and the writer writes in the book, what we see exhibited and exemplified in our families, we tend to repeat what we see rehearsed. Children repeat what they see rehearsed. And you have the nerve to tell your children, don't do what I do. Do what I say. And they walk away from you giggling. And they say, all right. I'll give you an example. Racism is a curse. You have never seen a racist baby. You have never seen a baby racist. You have never seen a one-year-old child look at another child and say, I can't play with you because we're not the same color. Racism is not only taught, it's caught. Racism is caught by watching and listening to parents. So this tells me this. This tells me this. That tells me this. I'm going to get my English right in just a minute. If hate can be taught, so can love. We're not born hating people. We are taught to hate people. So the curse, the writer writes, is carried on when the behavior of the son is the same as the behavior of the father. Y'all just missed that right there. The curse is carried on when the behavior of the son is the same as the behavior of the father, results and consequences always follow decisions. That's why God said, I have put before you both life and death, curse and blessing. Choose life. He tells you this is what is set before you and then he gives you a big hint. You might want to choose blessing. Hmm. All right. If you feel like you have been dealing with a curse that has been passed down to you, I've come here today to encourage you. There is freedom from the cycle. I'm going to to decree that and declare it again. There is absolute freedom from the cycle. 
There is absolute deliverance from that bondage. You do not have to be an alcoholic because your papa was one. You do not have to be a hater because your daddy was one. There's nothing wrong with you standing up in your generation and say the buck stops with me. Ezekiel said it like this in chapter 18, verses 1 through 4 from the Message Bible. God's message to me, what do you people mean by going around the country repeating the saying, the parents ate green apples, the children got a stomachache? As sure as I'm the living God, you're not going to repeat this anymore. You know what he's saying? Stop the curse. You stop the curse when you stop repeating it. You stop the curse when you stop saying, we've been poor our whole life. We'll just always be poor. That's curse language. We've never had much anyway. That's curse language. I've got diabetes. I suffer from physical ailments because it's in my line. That's curse language. I'm hoping you're hearing this. Start saying I'm not cursed in the city and cursed in the field. Start saying I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. I am blessed to be the head and not the tail. Watch what he says. As sure as I'm the living God, stop repeating this. Every soul, man, woman, and child belongs to me, parent and child alike. You die for your own sin, not for another's. Stop saying to your children, you're going to have to deal with what I've had to deal with. No, say to your kids, baby, because I'm your daddy. You ain't never going to have to fight the fights that I fought because the cycle. I dare you to throw your hands up and let me speak this over your life. We break every generational curse today. We are opening, opening the opportunity to you to come out of that cycle and to advance in your assignment. If you believe it's going to happen to you, take 10 sanctified seconds and give God a big praise. Now let me say something to you. I just have a few more minutes here. The curse has never and will never compare to the blessing. It has never and it will never compare to the blessing. The blessing started triumphing in Genesis chapter 1. The curse showed up in Genesis chapter 3 and in chapter 4, the blessing started winning again. And the blessing triumphed in every page of scripture until you get to the book of Numbers where Balak hires Balaam to curse God's people. Why? Because they were moving forward. 
Balaam comes back to him and says these words. I cannot curse what God has blessed. Y'all ain't even hearing me right. You cannot curse a blessed person. They putting a curse on you. No, they can't put a curse on you because you are blessed. I told the guys this morning, I said these words here. There's never been an instance in scripture where a blessing was turned into a curse. Did you hear that? There's never been an instance in scripture where the blessing was turned into a curse. But let me read this to you. Deuteronomy 23, 5. The Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing because the Lord loves you. There's never been a blessing that was converted into a curse. But there is a curse that is converted into a blessing because God loves you. How does that happen? When you are blessed by God, you can say that everything in my life is either God sent or God used. If God didn't send it and the enemy did, God's going to still use it. How do we know that? Because we know that all things, including the curse, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. So right now, God is turning your curse into a blessing. He's turning your past into an incredible prophetic future. What everybody in your family thought was going to take you out is not going to take you out. As a matter of fact, the more it leans on you, the more you're going forward in your purpose in this earth. I dare you to jump up and shout, I'm blessed. And the devil can't do nothing about it. Say it with me. I am not cursed. I am blessed. Say it again. I am not cursed. I am blessed. I'm not caught in a cycle. I'm not going in a circle. Because I am blessed, I am commanded to increase. There is more. The lines are going down. The walls are crashing down. And I'm not going to walk in a circle not one more day of my life. I am moving forward. I didn't want to preach this morning, but I feel the Holy Ghost here. Something is Tell somebody something's shifting right now. Something is changing right now. Woo. Hallelujah. You coming out of that circle today. You coming out of that vicious cycle today. Woo. Throw your head back and shout, I will be everything God said I'll be. Now let me tell the young people something. Let me tell the young people something. 
Let me tell the young people something. Find them folks in your line that has lived a stupid, crazy life. And with boldness, you don't have to say it with your mouth out of disrespect, but in your mind and in your heart. See, that's the one I ain't going to be like. I'm not going to be that one. And find the one in your line that lives for God to the best of their ability. They pray, they worship, and say, I'm going to emulate that. I'm going to get up under that line right there. How many of you know blessings come down the line? You know what I think today? I think God is dropping off blessings up in the house today. I got four minutes. Sit down. I got four minutes. Sit down. Woo. So that's the curse. Oh, Lord, help me get through this message here today. Please, Lord. Woo. 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 I want to finish it, but, man, I feel like God wants to break loose up in here today. I feel like the Holy Ghost said, hold up. Let me get a hold of these people here. Woo! Woo! Bless your name, Jesus. Woo! Let me show you something. The blessed people of God operate in abundant, bountiful manifestations and manifold revelation of who God is. And who they are becoming. I know I just said a mouthful right there. Let me say it another way. For every curse there is a cure. Whew. So if you keep running to the curse for the cure. You'll keep being cursed. You say what do you mean by that Pastor Rick? You can't go to someone with a behavior pattern. I'm going to go country on you just for a minute with a jacked up life and expect them to show you the way to live a blessed life. All right. Remember when I told you, y'all sit down, y'all making me nervous. You remember when I told you that the key to that scripture about the third and fourth generations was not the word curse. What was the key word? Fathers. Huh. Whew. See, here's the deal. Oh, Lord. The cure rests in the mouth of the one who intercepts the curse. So Paul writes the church at Corinth and he said, you got 10,000 tape series. I'm sorry, 10,000 instructors. But you don't have many spiritual fathers. You got a thousand voices speaking in your ear, but you don't have that one. Hmm. I'm going to show it to you. Genesis 49, Jacob called his sons to him and said, get yourselves together. And he's on his deathbed now that I can predict to you what your life is going to look like. Before I leave, I'm going to tell you where you're going. In other words, I'm not going to allow you to enter into an arena, an environment, or a company of people. 
that will carry more influence in your life than I carry in your life. You do not have permission because I'm about to load your timeline with words of blessing. You do not have permission to entertain the language of the curse. So in verse 28 of the same chapter, all 12 tribes of Israel came. And this is that, that their father spoke unto them, listen to it, and blessed them. Everyone according to his blessing, listen what it says, he blessed them. That's a mouthful. So you can't impart blessings you don't carry. You can't impart a deliverance you're not living. The cure for the curse is a spiritual authority in your life that will diametrically oppose the dialogue of the curse. Hmm. He spake unto them. He arranged through words their future. He blessed them to speak as beneficial, to be a benefit. You ready for this? To give them the advantage. It is one thing to live your life trying to just get by. But it's another thing to live your life knowing in your spirit. There's just little something different about me. Y'all ain't hearing me right now. There's something powerful about your child walking up in school going, I see y'all smoking that weed. I see what y'all doing. But there's something a little bit different about me. Because my mama prayed for me so much that I, I don't feel privileged. I feel advantaged. I got favor on my life. Blessed means to consecrate with favor. A lot of people get privilege and favor messed up. You can't tell me that I'm privileged in certain areas of my life. Now, let's don't get into that dialogue. When I know I got to where I got, not because of the money my mom and dad had, let me help you. This man on the front row will tell you we was poor and thought we was rich. We didn't have very much, but we thought we had everything. You know why? Because our daddy always told us you can do anything your mind can imagine. My dad graduated with Graduate. My dad quit school in the third grade. He was raised during the Depression, picking cotton in the Delta, Mississippi. That's not a silver spoon in your mouth. He got saved when he was 42. He didn't come to all seven of his kids and say, would you like to be saved? No, our dad said, you're going to get saved. Right. He didn't. Now, Ricky, you ever thought about giving your heart to Jesus? No, it's like, son, 
you're going to church with me today and you're going to go to church with me every day. You're living under my roof until you make a decision to choose life or death, to choose blessing or the cursing. Am I right about it, Randy? And my dad couldn't even say the name of Jesus without crying because of where he came from. Y'all not hearing me. And all of a sudden, the buck stopped. And a list of alcoholics, prisoners, drug addicts, name it, stopped when daddy said, my boys ain't going to go through the things I went through. Are y'all hearing me? What if we say to our children, you're going to be everything that God said you're going to be. You're not going to be what your friends say. You're not going to be what my past says. You're going to be everything God said you are going to be. Before long, they start believing it. Before long, they start carrying their self in a distinct way where they're not trying to fit in. They're trying to stand out because now they are convicted that I've got the advantage and you need it too. I'll stop. But Paul said it like this. There's a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. <laughs> it was as Jesus helped me proclaim, pro proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. The curse of our day is the absentee father, not only in the house but in the church. Because what we want is pastors to be our hirelings. Okay, Whoop. Lord, help me here now. I'm going to need you, Holy Ghost. So I have fought three cultural, territorial, and regional spirits in my life. Three. One in Louisiana, where the regional spirit in Louisiana was a voodoo spirit that came up out of New Orleans that bewitched you into all kind of activity that was ungodly. And we used to have this saying, um, hmm. we only come out at night. All right, now, I'm just showing you. So all of a sudden, you start conforming to what you see your family doing, right, Randy, and your friends, and before long, the voodoo's on you. Now, you're never practicing voodoo, but the voodoo is on you because you never changed the culture because you didn't even know that you had become the carrot. So we fought that. And it's a reckless, what you want to say, Randy? It's a reckless, careless mindset. Do what you want to do when you want to do it. It's just crazy. Then I went to San Antonio. Huh. And I learned there that I had to fight another territorial spirit, and it was the spirit of poverty. San Antonio is the... Um, third fastest growing city in the nation. It's the seventh largest city in the nation. But it's the 147th city in the nation in income, income per capita. 
Doesn't make sense. But here's why. Because St. Anthony, when he went there and built his mission, he took a vow of poverty. And he was the first representation of anything that was anti-culture. So he built his own culture. So everyone that lives in San Antonio has to fight a poverty mindset. So the Lord awakened me to these territorial spirits that he placed me in. And I started realizing what I was fighting in San Antonio. So now you have to diametrically oppose the spirit with a vocabulary and a language that says you're blessed. See? So I get here. And I've been asking God for two and a half years, what am I fighting? So I start studying. Cleveland County, Kingfisher, these counties right here, Cleveland County. April 22nd, 1889, there was a land run. It's supposed to happen at 12 noon. Y'all already saying it. But some people didn't wait. They left in the night. So that when the other people got here, there were already flags on territories. And the lots were up to 160 acres. So that when the other people arrived late, they could say, I got here. And they had their, land, their flag in the ground and they were saying, this is, that is called entitlement. This is mine. You know what spirit is in this region? This is mine. I got here first. Yeah, and you cheated. The religious spirit in this territory is those words. This is, this is my seat. This is my, this is mine. The whole spirit behind it is selfish. The whole spirit behind it is self-entitlement. The whole spirit behind it is, I pay you. I deserve. I love Oklahoma. I was talking to a girl at the airport that was checking us in the other day. She said, well, uh, have you been enjoying Oklahoma? I said, I love it. She said, why? And I said, because it's the nicest people in the world. And she said, really? And I said, yeah, the nicest people I've ever met. I'm being sincere with you. The nicest people I've ever met live right here. And those same nice people. that love you and show you love are the greatest people in the world until you touch something. 
that they say this is the way it is. Now you got a fight on your hand. That is called learned behavior. And the only way to change a culture of selfishness and entitlement is to demand release. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? That ain't talking about going to hell. Some of y'all think that means that he's going to hell. That don't have nothing to do with going to hell. Your soul is the seat of your emotions. You lose your soul, which means your soul is tied to something else. You got everything that's yours, but your soul is jacked up. So all of a sudden, apostolic authorities start coming up in territories. And they say, guess what? You can't be that selfish. You can't be that entitled. And people say, who are you to tell me what I can't have? It's already there. Are y'all with me right now? So there's only one way to reverse that curse. is show people the opposite of what they've been taught. You've been taught to hold on. Jesus says, let go. Everything about Jesus says give. Freely you have received. Freely give. Everything about Jesus says impart. Let it go. Be a blessing. Getting quiet now. That's all. I still love you. Still love you. So... I appreciate that. And I, I will usually tell you all, oh, stop clapping, clapping. No, no. But today I'm doing like this. Because when you, when, you, when you walk out here on this territory, you better be geared up. You know, so I just need to know I got at least two guys behind me, two people. So, so guys, I'm just telling you, we're good. Everything's good, but we can always be adjusted, can't we? We always can. And really, I believe that God is calling us into a blessed arena. So Jacob lays his hand on Joseph, and he blesses him. And he says, Joseph is going to be like a vine. There's only two kinds of uh, vines, creeping vines and climbing vines. I told you when I started, don't be the creepy crawler. Climb up out of that curse. Climb up out of that condition. Will you lift your hands right now? Father, I pray you put a generous spirit on the hearts of your people. The spirit of generosity. The spirit of blessing. That we just can't wait to be. You said you bless us to be a blessing. You don't bless us to contain You bless us to be a conduit. You bless us so blessing can flow through us, not just to us. And so, Father, I pray that we get a heart that says, I want the blessing to go all the way through me. Because the more I let go of the blessing, the more blessing I receive. 
Father, I speak to these people today. Let's all stand, please. Let's all stand. I'm going to do two things. Here's number one. If you feel like you're dealing with a generational curse, which means every time you start to go forward, you're caught in that vortex, that cycle, and you want it broke today, would you come to this altar right now? You say, Pastor Rick, every time I think I'm about to step forward, this thing, this curse, this cycle catches me, and I'm just going in circles. I'm no different than I was five years ago. I'm no different than I was last year. I was dealing with the same thing. Well, let me tell you, today, the mountain's going to lay down. Amen. We're going to speak to the mountain today. And you're going to walk forward today. Somebody say one step, just one step. See, once you enjoy that first step of breaking that cycle in your life, you can't help but want to run forward. Lift your hands because we're going to sing it. No one leave. No one leave because I have to do one more thing. Sing it, Jamie. Defeated the darkness. He has never lost a battle. Those hands, church. Everyone look at Pastor Rick. I'm, I'm gonna do this fast. Anytime the Bible talks speaks of the word mountain in scripture, look it up for yourself. You know what the word mountain means? Suspense. You know what curses do? They keep you in suspense. You're always trying to figure it out. Who did it? You're always trying to figure You never go forward with confidence because you're always trying to figure out what's wrong. Why can't I? The mountain is, it always means suspense. Today, God's going to replace the suspense with a surprise. Something's going to happen in your life this year that's going to shock. It's going to surprise you. Watch this. Woo. Come on, give me five minutes. God's doing something here. Psalm 89, 15. Blessed is the people. Not blessed were the people. Blessed is. Present tense. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. The sound there in Hebrew is the signal for move forward, to move forward. It's the alarm to move forward. There's an alarm going off in this house. God is saying no more circle, no more cycle. There's a sound that says, blessed are the people that know the battle cry. They shall run, O Lord, in the light of your countenance.